Hey, everybody, welcome back to Crafted on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Well, to wrap up the year, today we are sharing the craft categories that most captivated our Blister reviewers in 2023, and we're also going to be revealing some of the categories that they are most curious about heading into 2024. This is a fun one, and it certainly fills out the picture of the people behind all of our reviews and videos and articles, podcasts, and Blister Summit events. And then over on our Blister podcast, you are also going to get to hear our team talk about their highlights of the past year, as well as their resolutions for 2024. This episode is presented by our Blister Craft Collective, which is a collection of some of our favorite craft companies and some of the very best companies across a range of craft categories that support the independent work that we do here at Blister. One such company is Bravis Brewing Company, which was the first non-alcoholic brewery started in the United States, and today they're still making some of the very best NA beers out there. You can learn more about Bravis and the rest of the Blister Craft Collective companies on our website, and we'll include a link to our Craft Collective in the show notes of this episode. So check them out because we are confident that some of these companies are going to become some of your favorite companies too. And now let's check in with some of our Blister reviewers about the things that they were obsessed with in 2023 and what they've got their eye on in 2024. Happy New Year, everybody. And here we go. All right, well, I am now here with Luke Kappa, our fearless managing editor. Luke, you have a rather unconventional answer to this whole, what is your most recent kind of new craft that you've gotten into? Please explain to the people. Well, for starters, I don't think anyone would describe it as a craft uh, or a crafty thing. <laughs> I suppose if you really stretch the loose definitions you might be able to but um yeah i have (laughs) i think my only new (laughs) obsession in the past year has been uh old camcorders which i'm sure no one else provided that answer but uh yeah last february i believe uh tyler curl and colton schaff uh some guys who ride for moment um were in town for the free ride world qualifier event at crested butte um shout out to those guys they stayed at my house on my mm-hmm. couch and uh colton actually qualified for the world tour this year which is super exciting so yeah. really excited to watch yeah. him yeah. uh on the big show this year but anyway i went to check out the event try and catch their runs and I was hanging out with Tyler at the bottom when Colton was dropping in and Tyler just opened up his chest pocket on his jacket and just pulled out this teeny tiny video camera. And I, I, I don't think I'd seen or noticed like an old school camcorder in a, I mean, years. I kind of forgot they existed and he just whips it out. It fit in his pocket, mm-hmm. no problem. And then he proceeds to zoom in like 
all the way in on Colton from hundreds of yards down the hill and you could just see like it was unreal uh and i was just blown away and immediately when we got back home i was like i need to see that and it just like took a picture of the serial number and within a week i think i found one on ebay for like fifty dollars uh that was the same exact model (laughs) and just ordered it and then uh started just carrying it with me everywhere and just shooting random videos of just about everything and everyday life uh and because because it's both so small that i can put it in just about any pocket and because it looks so different than any other modern recording device and by that i mean it looks shitty (laughs) um it was just (laughs) like i never i almost never take videos or photos with my phone even though it's always with me i just as someone who shoots with a quote real camera for still photos i just never really like i you and i argue all the time about iphone photos i just i i don't have much interest in them unless i'm taking pictures of like a fish uh just because it's easier but anyway with once i got the camcorder i was just taking videos of everything and then um kind of at the tail end of the season i uh, downloaded Adobe Premiere and learned the most basic functionality of that system and just started putting together like basically home videos. And mostly I like cutting things to specific songs. And that's often what gets me to put mm. together a video is just like, oh, this song would be really cool for this type of video. And so I just started putting those together. It was a big uh, help during the off season when I was super bored and uh, there wasn't much to do. And I could just spend time editing it. And uh, yeah, so that was kind of what I did in the spring. And then by, I think like by midsummer, I was started looking into other camcorders because turns out the one I had, while it was awesome, uh, the way that I managed the files, I had to manually open and export every single video clip. Uh, it does not work at all like a any sort of modern uh, photography or videography thing. Uh, turns out they weren't thinking of a MacBook Pro from 2023 when they designed these cameras in whatever, 2005 or whatever it was. Uh, so I mostly wanted one that would be easier to deal with. Uh, and then I got into a wormhole of a lot of research, uh, a lot of time on eBay. By then, the market had blown up. Like the ones I was looking, I had bought the first one, I think, for $50. It wasn't a super nice one, but it was easy to find. Like I think the first one I bid on, I got for 50 bucks. Once I settled on my current one, it took me weeks to find one that I could get for under $100, uh, which doesn't sound like much compared to modern cameras, but the fact that these things from decades ago we're going like people were buying them for like $300 and that just doesn't make sense uh but eventually i found the one i was looking for on a different like janky alternative to ebay that sold cheaper because whoever uh posted it mislabeled it <laughs> and uh yeah that i ended up with that one it is way easier to work with and m- most important of all it has a threaded uh filter mount in front of the lens which meant 
I could buy a teeny tiny fisheye lens uh, and just make the footage even more hilariously terrible. Uh, so that I think I bought from Alibaba or something similar. It took like a month to arrive, but, uh, yeah, that, that opened up a whole new world of possibilities because this camera can also zoom an absurd amount. I think it says like 37 X optical zoom with digital zoom. It's past 50. It's almost like a spotting scope for hunting. Um, but then you throw the fisheye on there and it is the polar opposite. It looks so dumb and it's amazing for just about anything close up. And yeah, I just continued to use that through the summer. The new one also can shoot a whole whopping 60 frames a second. So I can do kind of slow-mo. I think that's about a quarter of what an iPhone shoots in these days. Um Huh. And yeah, the and now like after I bought my first one, uh, my friend Schaefer, who we both know who helps out with videos at Blister, he got one. Uh, he actually ended up uh, posting a video on his YouTube channel. And that I think is currently his second yeah. or third most popular video ever. <laughs> um, so I will take a, t- a, a teeny tiny half gram of credit for that video. Uh, my friend Arnie currently has my original one. Uh, I think my friend Dan is hopefully getting one this winter. So uh, the good thing is, I think like everyone's super stoked about it. They're incredibly easy to use. They look cool. They're relatively cheap, but I think we have caused or have played into the fact that the market is getting ridiculous. So I'm glad I got in when I did. <laughs> this is amazing. My kind of my favorite part about all of this is that when I asked you like what the craft thing was that you got into, you're like, Oh yeah, I don't have anything. I just have this camcorder thing. What you have just spelled out is like an entire film movement. <laughs> like I'm just thinking literally while you talk, like, is it, um, is it Steven Soderbergh who has like famously shot entire films like on an iPhone? This is what you're doing. This is what you're doing. And there's this whole movement and now camcorders are skyrocketing and pricing. Um, this is art, man. <laughs> this is what artists do. They find a they find a medium, sometimes a very a medium with very humble roots. And then they're just out there doing, you know, cinema verite and making home movies set to whatever song. Yeah, I don't know. I think that all you've done is cement the fact that you are a true artist. <laughs> That's all I've heard. Wow. Yeah, I... Uh... <laughs> when when art is not you, the first Soderberg, word. yeah the, picasso yeah no i think it is it is interesting because um i don't know there's a whole like wave of nostalgia in so many different categories yeah. right now specifically targeting like the 90s and early 2000s because typically these yeah. trends go in like 30 year cycles and you'll see you mm. see it in like like look at any park skier style right now they're all rocking like baggy clothes and like cropped anoraks and stuff like that. And whereas over the past like 10 years, I feel like uh super eight camera film cameras became like the go-to medium f- specifically for B roll, especially in the outdoor industry. I, I think the camcorder is kind of the next, the, not the replacement, but the logical next step. And you're seeing that footage pop up all over the place now. And, it is, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's fun. It's way more fun than 
trying to shoot some like really nicely lighted 4k footage and like it's gonna look terrible no matter what so i don't care (laughs) takes a lot of the pressure off (laughs) i like it well as always luke you you never fail to uh surprise and impress and so uh yeah i i hope you know 2024 continues to be uh an amazing year for you to explore the wonders of the camcorder and then i also can't wait to see if you get into any other thing in 2024 we know it's not going to be taking photos on really good iphones with really Definitely good cameras not that. that is that is i'm predicting that yeah that's probably not yeah happen, i do but, um, yeah i want to keep shooting okay. and uh i do want to <laughs> I think it'd be really funny to like borrow someone's extremely high end gimbal, like the ones that are like a box that are just massive yeah. and just <laughs> attach the camcorder yeah. to it and get some really, really smooth 720p footage. You're like the Andy Warhol. That's another example. You're the Andy Warhol of camcorders. <laughs> so we're all going to be proud to be like, we knew, we knew Luke back before he was, you know, even a bigger deal. We knew Luke when he was a big deal in the <laughs> ski world but not yet a big deal, you know, in Chicago and Manhattan before, and LA before all the for Oscars, his, yeah. for his, uh, before, <laughs> before all the Oscars. Exactly. Well, Hey man, on that note, I'm going to let you get back to probably either editing a ski review or editing, editing some, some, uh, some home footage. I don't know what it's going to be for you tonight, but, um, uh, either way, I, uh, I look forward to seeing your work sometime. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> All right, I am here with Dylan Wood, Lister reviewer extraordinaire. Dylan, what craft, what new craft perhaps, did you get into in 2023 or really expanded on in 2023? You know, I'm not sure you could call this a craft. I know we did an episode on tennis, so maybe there's a slight link here, but I rejuvenated my pickleball career in 2023. I know what you're, you all are thinking, like, oh, wow, another person has got into pickleball this year. I've heard enough, but I do deserve some credit, I think, for playing pickleball quite a bit back when I was in college, like 2018, 2019, with my roommates. Um, but started up again this year and never looked back. So, okay. First of all, the fact that you're like a 20-something, I feel like this is just not the right sort of age bracket for pickleball so what is the backstory here you started playing pickleball in 2018 yeah back when i was a sophomore in college we lived 100 feet from the western gym that had a bunch of pickleball courts and one of my roommates was a big tennis player so he was into pickleball so we'd you know go out play pickleball and i don't really know what sparked it this year um i guess just kind of seeing it take off again and and um learning that we had some really great courts really close to me in gunnison um and yeah i just kind of started playing pickleball is cool it has this this website called playtime scheduler that's like anyone can go on there and say like we're playing pickleball here at this time and then like anyone can really show up it's really cool i kind of wish we had something like that for for skiing or biking like meetups that uh, makes it really easy ah. um but you are right i am definitely an outlier as far as the the age 
goes. Uh, definitely not on on the the fat end of the bell curve there. And I definitely made it easy getting in. Like I, I was definitely lacking a lot of skill and technique that the older ladies and gentlemen I were, I was playing with had, but kind of made up for it in my ability to run all over the place and and uh, and get the ball. So yeah, but it, but it's been going well. First of all, I didn't know that anybody was playing pickleball in 2018. I I think I did assume the sport was invented about 24 months ago, but that's not the case, huh? I I could be wrong, but I think it's older than like 30, maybe even 40 years. But it just it really did take off just recently. And do we know why it just took off? What led to this sport? Being around for 30 to 40 years, but it just became sort of the hottest thing recently? It's a great question. I don't know. I'm sure there's someone out there with a better hypothesis. Um, it sort of, to me, it kind of seems like tennis has maybe been getting less popular, especially as, you know, people age and, and um, you know, there's a joke in the in the pickleball community I'm now a part of is how do you tell the difference between pickleball and tennis courts? Oh, the tennis courts are the ones that are empty. So I think a lot of people made the move from tennis to pickleball, and and that could be a part of it because uh-huh. a lot of the people I do play with are ex tennis players. Um, I don't know. My best guess. So maybe the entire the entire tennis demograph- demographic is aging out and they're aging into pickleball, except for you. Except for me. Who is yeah. like, how old are you? 24? 24, yep. I never played tennis. Um, maybe, I, maybe I'd like tennis. I don't know. Um, I, I don't know. We'll see. Um, okay, I have, I, I have many questions on this front, but we'll, we'll try to keep it brief. The other thing is you said that you had a friend at Western who was on the tennis team at Western, but also like pickleball, because I thought it seemed to be like tennis people didn't like pickleballers or, but is that not true? No, there's some truth to that. Yeah, this this guy was someone who played uh, tennis back in high school. And I think, you know, every okay. tennis player has dabbled in pickleball at some point. The way I see it, it's kind of like, Tennis is kind of like telemark skiing and pickleball is kind of like alpine skiing. <laughs> and those tennis players slash telemark skiers kind of have that f- sense of superiority and tradition with them that mm. they they look at this newer, objectively more enjoyable um, <laughs> sport and they look down upon it because it's not the classic pure experience that they were brought up in. Um, I, I think there's definitely some parallels there. Wow. Okay. Wow. This is getting more interesting the more you talk. <laughs> the, b- okay. But where that analogy is hard for me is that telemarkers are kind of viewed as the weird ones versus alpine skiers. But in this case, I sort of tend to still think of pickleballers as the weird ones and tennis players as, you know, I don't know, the the less weird one. Furthermore, in alpine skiing, we sort of have the gods of alpine skiing, right? So you have Michaela Schifrin and you have a Bodie Miller, right? And Ted Ligeti and the like. In 
pickleballers, I don't know that we have like the gods of pickleball, whereas in, you know, tennis, we have Roger Federer, we have Serena Williams. So I, your analogy is where I'm not saying you're wrong. I just have some questions. Yeah. No, the analogy definitely starts to fall apart the the deeper you go into it, uh, for sure. So I think you should have just <laughs> left it alone. Um, that is true. There's really no, you know, Michaela Schifrin's and Ted Ted Ligeties of the pickleball world. And if there are, it they are like either ex tennis or like ex ping pong professionals that like made their way to pickleball mm. and is now just crushing everyone at this relatively new sport. Um, relatively new sport that's been around for 30 or 40 years yeah exactly it's it's confusing uh and i think there's less <laughs> inter intermeshing of like pickleball and tennis right like you know pickleball and tennis courts are next to each other and but you know you don't no one's like playing with playing each other and intermeshing in the way that you know alpine and tele skiers and snowboarders and whatnot are all skiing the same runs and and all that um the same court as it were yeah but you know pickleball it's, it's a lot easier to learn than tennis it it requires a lot less skill less agility and running around um and there's just kind of less yeah and and i, I see i see te- telemark skiing as kind of being like oh this is something that was is more difficult than it has to be when there's this easier like more fun alternative that's just you know easier to hop on and and get going with i think that's that's more where i was going okay well last question for you if we're going to count your exploration or reinstatement re-engagement with the world of pickleball and we're talking about this on a crafted podcast you know we had troy russ my my neighbor uh he talked eloquently about the craft of tennis. I think I'm going to need you to speak eloquently about some of the craft elements or the art of pickleball. What should we know? I have literally never played in my life, so I need you to make the case here. Tell us a bit about the art, the underappreciated art, perhaps, of pickleball. Yeah, pickleball is is a game of flow and focus and communication with your partner and it's really basically just a game of patience um it's all about being conservative keeping the ball in play until you get that one opportunity where you can put it away and the point and then you just got to go for it um it, it you know it's it's one of those really meditative things where you know it's it's such a focus intensive sport that you just really have to keep your your mind and your eye on the ball the whole time and and everything else just kind of disappears into the background um there's lots of lots of technique lots of strategy involved with your partner uh you really have to work as as one to 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 get the point and you know if you're not on the same page it doesn't doesn't work out so it's a it's a really social experience as well um I think that's the best best way I can describe it without getting too much in the weeds. And there's a lot of controversy and disagreements in the pickleball world now about like what the best strategies and, you know, the purest uh, versions of the game 
are. So I think I'm going to leave it at that without, you know, ruffling too many feathers. Wow. The con- your cliffhanger, the controversies of pickleball. <laughs> I'm just saying, um, you know, if you, I mean- <laughs> if you want to, if you want to uh, witness like 40 arguments a day, join a pickleball Facebook group and you'll know what I'm talking about. Wow. Okay. <laughs> um, boy, I, you've, it, this has really been a, just a, just a whirlwind of a conversation that I, I didn't see it going in any of these directions, but, um, man, we might actually have to have you back on crafted or we need to go find like the pickleball experts out there since I don't know who they are, uh, to tell us more about these raging controversies that exist in the pickleball community. Um, my goodness. All right, Dylan, last question for you. As we head into 2024, I love that you're not talking about, you know, the fact that you're, you know, really good big mountain skier, great free ride mountain biker. Uh, What I'm here to ask you, shockingly, is name one element of your pickleball game that you are most looking to improve on in 2024. Yeah, um, I think it's got to be the dinking. Dinking is uh, the core of pickleball. It's where the game is won and lost. And if you've got your dinks down, you're you're a champ. And if you don't, you're just you're just getting pickleballs smacked at you at 50 miles an hour by 72 year olds. So I, I think I got to get the get the dinking down. I don't know what dinking is, and maybe that will be, you know, one of my resolutions for 2024 to learn what that is. Um, this has been amazing, Dylan. I, I'm, you, I'm actually speechless, but I do wish you all the best as you look to hone and refine the art of dinking in the new year. Thank you. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be working on my craft out there for sure. All right, man. We'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Happy New Year. All right. Well, I am now happy to be joined by Simon Stewart, our senior bike editor. Simon, what craft thing has tickled your interests in 2023? Great question. Um, quite a couple of things. And um, one that sort of stands out at the moment is speakers. I love speakers <laughs> and amplifiers <laughs> and turntables and all that stuff that puts you into a pretty slippery slope <laughs> um audio in general now what specifically about speakers yeah there's um there's these open baffle speakers which if you can picture this picture a speaker without a cabinet right picture like okay make it this simplify mm-hmm. a little bit picture a um a piece of wood, just a, a two by six or a two by eight, you know, so a thin piece of wood with just speakers in it. So you can look around the back and see the backside of the drivers of the woofers, tweeters, and all the internals of the speaker are just hanging out behind it. And, uh, that's open. The whole speaker is open. So there's no enclosure. And it's kind of fascinating because you can get these do it yourself kits. And this is why I sort of thought of this with craft it because there's a good potential to build them yourself. You don't have to be some uh-huh. super talented craftsman on the cabinet making side to make your own speaker boxes. Mm-hmm. You can, well, you can get a kit and you can make your own wood 
you know, paneling and put your own speaker drivers in there and have these open baffle speakers. Uh, kind of super, super bloody nerdy, right? It's going down an audiophile rabbit hole that I haven't gone down. I'm not sure I want to go down. Let's be clear about that. But I am open baffle curious at the moment. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I love that. And and by the way, I love this too, because on Crafted, we have not gone down the audiophile rabbit hole, which is just a monster rabbit hole. That And, and we should also say, it's not like you just discovered, you know, speaker systems in the year 2023. I sort of forgot this about you, but you have cared about this certainly since I've known you. Um, so for at least the last decade, if not longer, and we've talked about some of this stuff, but I love that you're kind of reminding me that this is probably a world that we should explore a bit on Crafted in 2024. Um, I don't see why not. It is it is a colossal rabbit hole, to say the least. And yeah. what I love about it is there's so many different ways to approach it. And it should, and for me, still remains all about the music. And yeah. it's a pretty cool hobby. You can build stuff yourself, um, or you can spend a shit ton of money on some really high-end stuff. There's a lot of different ways mm -hmm. to get to where you want to be. Uh, mm. If you go into a high-end hi-fi store and you touch like a high-end bespoke amplifier from like Macintosh, for instance, and you're like, holy smokes, I want to turn that dial for the rest of my life. I want to turn that volume knob every day for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. It's a very satisfying feeling. The stuff is beautifully made. And usually that correlates to some really good sound. That's very cool. But on the, on the open baffle front, what you yourself like about this. I mean, you are certainly a tinkerer. You are a high-level bike mechanic. You have worked on motorcycles. You have worked on cars. And so the open baffle part of this isn't necessarily for you about its kind of audiophile superiority. It's more about like you yourself could actually build your own setup. If, do I have that right? Yeah, yeah, a thousand percent. Um, Obviously, there are companies that will sell you a set of open baffle speakers, um, lots of them. And, um, but I like the do it yourself component. I don't know if I'm going to like the sound. I've never heard them before. Uh -huh. It's a sound that yeah. apparently is completely different than your conventional speaker because how uh -huh. could it be the same? There's no box around it. So, your uh -huh. speaker, no matter what you have, whether it's Sonos like you have, and I have some Sonos mm -hmm. as well, and I've also got a dedicated stereo system stereo listening system, right? Mm -hmm. Amplifier, conventional boxed speakers. And I love the sound I'm getting right now, but I just want to try something mm -hmm. different. What if I like it more? <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. Like when you, what I've heard about it, and this is what sort of is got, it's piqued my interest is that it sounds like you're in front of a choir or like a big, broad, like, band that's playing and the sound stage is huge the sound is all over the room because it's not confined to these boxes and it's not pointed or directional anymore huh and okay that sounds interesting now with that comes the caveat that because it's not surrounded by a box it's not doesn't have the doesn't have the pressure to produce really low bass or the bass it does produce is going to sound a little bit different huh so if you're into like you know 
bassy music, and a lot of people aren't, you're not going to get that from this speaker system because it can't. It doesn't have mm -hmm. the ability to create pressure mm -hmm. inside there by the movement of air in an enclosed space. So, yeah. Um, but by all means, then, you have this very lively sort of natural feeling or natural feeling, sorry, natural sounding speaker that's very open huh. and easygoing. They typically don't take a lot of power to drive because you're not trying to push past any pressure mm -hmm. inside of a box. And mm -hmm. um, I, I don't know. Yeah, never heard him. So I'm just, like I said, I'm open, baffled, curious. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. This is... Uh... <laughs> Damn it. I feel like I, I'm going to get pulled into this world with you, um, for better or for worse. Uh, that's fascinating. And, and yeah, and I, oh man, I don't, I don't need one more thing. <laughs> I don't, I don't need a new thing, but I'm happy. I'm happy that this is on your radar. I, we have to now do this in 2024, plot out find some conversations with with folks in this in this whole we're just going to say sound universe and i feel a uh, man um i hopped on this call with you and i now feel negligent that we haven't gone down this road already and uh it's a pretty it's pretty pretty awesome place to be you know like i love it i just feel like my my like checking account is is wincing right now <laughs> Because where this where this might lead us, I'm a little nervous at the moment. Knowing where you've gone with your coffee scene, I would be nervous as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd that's be terrified that's... actually. <laughs> and you don't have a wife <laughs> or anybody else in your house to pull you back at all. To, be like, that's right. Ever you doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, okay. You you understand, no, Simon. Do. You understand. You understand better than most. Um, okay. Well, this is fascinating, and um, look, let's let's make a pact in 2024. We're gonna start the crafted excursions into sound, and I'm gonna recruit you in on at least one or two of these conversations. But this will be a fun because you and I need another side project. Absolutely, do. yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, you know, you know, I snuck a little audio device into the into the buyer's guide, into the holiday gift guide. A little, a little music streamer. Just stuck it in there, you know, just to start just, just the conversation. <laughs> That's true. It's true. Um, well, very cool. I like it. And I, I mean, do you have plans to, are you going to purchase a kit? Are you going to start tinkering or are you still sort of figuring out the whole landscape out there? You know, actually, there's um, a friend of mine in, um, in BV that's also got the same curiosity. I think we might go into it together. That way we can do it over at his house. It doesn't look like I'm buying more audio equipment. Okay. <laughs> See, I have to sneak around now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, fortunately, fortunately, you know, your lovely wife is someone who is one of my best friends. And so, you know, she's she's worth, you know, I'm not going to be like jettison this you know, jettison this partner of yours so that you can, you know, freely spend all your money on on new uh, speaker equipment, but I think we we both want to see Sasha stick around. We do, and I, we had a little speaker gate earlier this year where um, I, I'm guilty of upgrading some speakers. Um, anyhow, it was um, a bit contentious for a little while. So um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen. Th now, what you can do, uh, you you can just push back and say, "Look, 
Jonathan, he said he was serious about going down this rabbit hole on Crafted. You're just being a team player, right? Supporting the work we do here at Blister. So if you need to recruit me in to handle the wrath of Sasha, you just let me know and I'll be there for you. Uh, right. That's been recorded. Fantastic. Set in <laughs> yes. stone. All right. Moving forward. <laughs> well, listen, man, I look forward to it. Um, in addition to all the other stuff that you and I work on at Blister together, um, 2023 has been a really fun year. It has been really fun having you uh, on the team for the whole year and um, very much looking forward to all the stuff we're going to get into in 2024. Yeah, I'm, I'm also very excited about 24. Excellent, Simon. Well, listen, uh, have a very happy new year. And uh, yeah, we have just another project to, uh, to, go, to go have fun with. So very much looking forward to it. Me too. Cheers. All right, Kara Williard, it's your turn. Um, how are you doing today? Doing well. Just uh, made my way back from the big city, was dropping off Zach as he is en route to Japan for his winter guiding extravaganza that begins tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) And by Zach, of course, we're talking about your wonderful fiance, uh, who, yeah, is off guiding in Japan. And this one hurts a little bit because... There was a point in time earlier this year where I thought I was going to be in Japan with Zach and then realized we have way too much going on. And I had to very sadly um, change plans on that front. But um, duh. I know. Yeah. We can both we'll... be wishing we were with Zach in Japan. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> both, both of us just owe to be in Zach's arms right now <laughs> in Japan. Mostly because then I can like be like, cool, hugs over. I'm going pow skiing. But yeah. um. Anyway, um, yeah, well, we'll we'll get back there someday. You were there last winter, right? Yeah, last, uh, like, mid-January. Okay, I haven't been since, like, 2012, so... Yeah, it's time I'm, to get you I'm back overdue. there, for sure. Yeah. Kara, yeah. um, we're talking about various craft activities that are, it turns out, very interesting reviewers have been up to. Um, what has kind of gotten on your radar on the craft slash arts front in 2023? Yeah, well, those who may have listened to our series on the Blister podcast about local food and mountain towns uh, may know that I am very passionate about growing food. And, um, you know, in particular, in trying to grow food in this cold climate of the Gunnison Valley, it has its unique challenges. And I feel like over the past few summers, I've gradually learned a lot and have gotten better at it. And so each year it's been more and more about how much local food can I eat or can I procure for myself and for Zach on an annual basis. And it's been really cool to see that continue to grow. Um, But the kind of coinciding piece to that is you have a really short growing window here. So recently it's been about, well, I can grow a bunch of food in like a five month window, but then how do I store that food? How do I preserve that food? And how can I make it last into these cold winter months that we are now? facing. So I think this year was the first year I really took on like, I'm going to learn to can food and like do really good storage of, uh, you know, potatoes and garlic and things like that. And so right now it's kind of a trial and error to see how well things store and how long I can continue to eat the food that I spent the summer growing. So that's been a, you know, interesting kind of uh, 
undertaking and definitely still have a lot more to learn. And what have been the ways that you've been learning about this? If there's if there's books, if there's magazine articles, if there's YouTube videos, if classes, formal classes, how have you gone about sort of exploring this world? Yeah, I think, I mean, there is an abundant uh, just wealth of knowledge on the internet about growing food. And that's what's so great these days is that's highly accessible to anyone and you can find people growing food in a similar climate to yours. But I think the biggest thing for me throughout my journey with farming and learning to grow food has been mentorship. And so I'm really grateful there's some really awesome farmers in the Gunnison Valley who have years of experience and being able to learn from them and just collaborate with them and hear what they're doing and hear how, you know, they are able to grow a pretty amazing amount of food in this really cold mountain valley has been awesome. And so while I do like like to seek out books and uh, different videos on the Internet, I think mentorship from people I know right here in this community has been my number one. Okay, so can I ask? I mean, what what is the new sort of experiment? What what types of food in particular are you like? I'm going to figure out how to preserve this or make it last or what 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 is specifically on your radar? Yeah, I think this year I uh, definitely jumped into some canning and pickling. So did a bunch of like uh pickling of beets, learning how to can and do it safely because there's actually a lot that can go wrong with with canning. And that's something that I was kind of intimidated by for a long time. Um, it's also time intensive. So it's been about like, how can I be efficient at this and not feel like I'm just like canning all this food that doesn't really taste good. And then we open it like in January or like, oh God, <laughs> what is this? And so, um, yeah, I think it's been a bit about that as far as like root veggies go with beets and carrots and things like that. Um, we have a ton of stuff and we got a bigger freezer this year. So that's been another piece of this is like freezing, blanching and freezing like broccoli, cauliflower, um, all these vegetables that I can just like now steam up. And uh, it also makes cooking a lot easier in the winter. Um, and then, yeah, just coming up with nice, like the right environment down in our basement to be able to store potatoes for months at a time. And, you know, not have potatoes going bad within a month of harvesting them. So just trying to hone in on all these different ways of food preservation and seeing how well it goes and how long I can keep eating the food that was grown a few months ago. What's going on with your greenhouse? Is it completely inactive? Is it just give us the state of the union on that or what's happening this winter? It's sleeping. <laughs> no, yeah? it really is. And that's uh Yeah. <laughs> We have grown a bunch of greens in there in the winter before, mostly spinach. Um, but this year we just decided to put like amend everything. We added a bunch of compost, added a bunch of straw, like really heavy mulch. And it's just resting right now. So um, we'll dig back into that pretty early before anything else. Like probably in April, I'll be able to start planting in there again. Um, but we just decided to let everything rest for the winter and also let ourselves rest and not have to worry about it mm -hmm. as much. <laughs> okay. So for now it's it's potatoes in the basement. And garlic and yeah, a bunch of stuff in the freezer and some canned goods. That's what I'm eating. Okay. Oh, and eggs because the chickens are still crushing it, thankfully. We should say a word about that. Tell us about what's going on with your your egg operation. Yeah, our egg operation is slightly out of control right now. We have like 70 chickens, um, which is like four times more than we've ever had. And some of that was just an accident. Zach accidentally placed a double order for 20 chicks and then they all arrived. <laughs> and then 
it was uh we were just like well let's just commit to this and so we have quite a few chickens right now and they're actually doing really well they're in their winter home um, which is much warmer than what they're in in the summer and yeah they're giving us pumping out the eggs giving us tons of eggs so um you know despite eggs being somewhat seasonal in a lot of ways uh right now we have enough young chickens that we have a ton of eggs this winter which will be awesome and i'll be sure to share them with all of the good folks at blister Ah, lucky us. <laughs> lucky us. Well, that's cool. Well, it's fun to see your continued adventures in farming. And uh, I mean, for anybody who are kind of just learning now, wait, wait, Kara's a farmer? Answer, yes, very much a real one. And people should go and listen to that series you did. I I was chimed in a bit on, on that. But yeah, uh, I believe we titled it Mountain Towns and Local Food Systems. And it was a really, really interesting series we did over on our Blister podcast about some of these things. And and uh, Kara is one who kind of practices what she preaches on this front very, very much. So yeah, she's our favorite boot fitter. She's a farmer. <laughs> she's a reviewer. <laughs> she wears many hats. Um, so Kara, um, thanks, for, thanks for sharing. And uh, I look forward to hearing how the whole adventures in canning go. And I, I hope to be the beneficiary of some of your work here. Yeah, thanks, Jonathan. And to anyone who's thinking about getting into growing food this upcoming year, you definitely should do it. It's a bit of trial and error, but it's always worth it. So go hmm. for it. Hmm. All right, Jonathan. Well, I know you've been busy this year, but what have you gotten up to 2023? What's new for you? Well, I think for 2023, it was maybe not so much about brand new things, but, but there were two key things when, when the work wasn't <laughs> the, the many, the many, many hours on blister. Um, there was absolutely a deepening or a furthering into the world of coffee and mechanical watches. Oh goodness. Yep. And, I, the whole mechanical watch thing, I'm still shocked by that development that that is entirely the fault of this crafted podcast. As I was just kind of exploring the world of what are all the different kind of craft categories out there. And I got, I got bit badly and very surprisingly by this whole universe of mechanical watches. Yeah. I, I, it still kind of surprises me, but I, continue to find the technology of them fascinating you know i've i've said this before on some crafted episodes but you know what is what is one of the biggest issues that we talk about in terms of very present day technology right we're trying to electrify the grid but what is happening here is we are you know, really needing to figure out batteries, how to get batteries that uh, last longer, that store more energy for the electric vehicles that we are all supposed to be shifting over to, but especially for those of us who live in remote places and for those of us who live in cold places where if we're driving, it's usually long distances Battery technology still needs to kind of catch up. And there's also the problem of what do we do with 
dead batteries, right? Well, I find it fascinating that over a hundred years ago, these mechanical watches that can run by themselves in perpetuity have no batteries. And so it has been looking back at this age old technology and thinking with a good mechanical watch, it just runs forever. And I'm like, how is that the outdated technology? Because it seems like that's what we need right now. Um, so I, I find that fascinating, the functionality of it, actually. And, you know, for those of us, I, I have I bought an Apple Watch some years ago. That thing is dead within 28 hours. And you're like, you know, got to recharge it. The mechanical watches, never an issue. Wind it up. You're good to go. I'm still... You know, there's then the the aesthetic element of these things. Just I think they are beautiful. It is functional, wearable art. Um, those things I think are still really intriguing. And then a final thing on that front is a number of these mechanical watch manufacturers are companies that have been in business for a hundred years, some two hundred years, and. I think, you know, as you know from all of our meetings, as we're figuring out how best to steer Blister into the future, just having this kind of test case of all of these individual companies, but companies in a category that had to overcome new technologies as they were coming out and the rest, I, I have definitely learned a lot at looking how a number of these companies have navigated decade after decade not not a couple months not not they're not thinking from year in from one year to the next they're literally thinking over the span of decades and some centuries and i think that that's in our world where there's some hot new tech company that's all the rage and then you know they're out of business 6 months later these are examples of companies that have weathered a lot of storms and have weathered ironically time itself so that continues to just be this alarmingly interesting world for me. And um, so that that's one answer. Super cool. I mean, this is the most excited I've ever been about mechanical watches. So th thanks for sharing some of those broader connections, because I haven't thought about it like that before. Uh, well, and I never had either um, really prior to, except I'll show you one thing because it's on my desk. Um, a prized possession of mine is... Um, this pocket watch that is from 1914 and this belonged to my great grandfather and i it sat on my my dad's desk forever as a kid growing up and i i asked him um i didn't have any of the ideas that i just kind of spelled out here but it always was just this very cool uh very cool object and uh my my dad was kind enough to give this to me some years ago and it's not an it's not an expensive pocket watch at all but this one certainly still is kind of my favorite in the in the collection and that sits on my desk here with me every day um i'm curious had you ever did, had you ever been gifted a watch or a pocket watch or anything is that has that been in your world at all cuz you're all whatever multi-generational new mexico you you have roots 
did the world of mechanical watches ever make it into your world? No, not exactly. There is a really amazing like grandfather clock that my uh, Mm -hmm. was at my great grandmother's house. And I it's not in my possession currently, but it was always just such an amazing like piece that like even as a kid, we'd be fascinated with just looking up at this thing and just wondering how it worked. Um, and it was just always making that sound like, you know, sometimes it would be what was putting me to sleep is just that like really methodical sound. Um, so I can relate to that a little bit. And yeah, I think it's really interesting. I mean, as far as what you said with batteries and trying to make some of those connections for us. But what does this look like for you as far as um, actually taking it on as a hobby? Are you researching watches? Are you uh, purchasing yeah. an in- a concerning amount of watches yeah i mean these things these things get relative very quickly um but yeah i actually i actually literally had a watch arrive today a few hours ago uh simon and i were talking a little bit about that um yeah so i'm you know sometimes with that very passionate new person in a hobby your eyes get very big and every there's like there's this whole enormous world of stuff that all of a sudden I find utterly fascinating. So, you know, it it is it has definitely been an exercise in some some restraint and discipline, but not that much restraint and discipline. I have purchased some watches in 2023, you know, trying not to like go crazy or do anything too too stupid. But um, you know, and and one more thing I will say about about these things is, you know, what what do we do all day, Kara? It's like we are publishing things online, an invisible place that on the one hand can reach literally everywhere across the globe as soon as we hit publish. But then on the other hand, there's nothing palpable. It's not like your garden where we see the new crop of vegetables come up or the, the new eggs. And so I definitely think one more thing on this front for me is that these objects where we just got done talking about why I think the technology is fascinating, they are beautiful. So they are these wearable, functional art pieces. They last for a long damn time. You can, a good mechanical watch, there's no reason if you service it occasionally that it won't last for a couple hundred years. And I think that that's one of the last things I want to say about it is the work we do, which I'm very proud of, but there isn't that, you know, we're not bricklayers. We're not, we're not building cathedrals. We're not building churches. And I think the craftsmanship, the enduring craftsmanship of this space, um, this category, uh, timepieces is the last thing I guess I'll throw in, um, on that front. But, um, I don't know. (laughs) Still surprising. I didn't see it coming, but here we are. Nice. Well, super cool. Thanks for sharing that with us. And uh, I think we can all think a little bit differently about mechanical watches and maybe why they're (laughs) so timeless. And potentially they have some answers for us as we look to the future. So super cool. I got to share one more thing with you, though. The other one, and this is going to be much shorter. I've continued to go down the coffee rabbit hole in a big way. And after spending most of 2023 researching, talking with people about espresso makers, I have finally pulled the trigger. Oh, man. And so I have 
an espresso machine. It will be arriving probably shortly into the new year. And then you and I can, you know, we've had some conversations about espresso and coffee makers and the rest, but you're, you'll, you will have to come over, try this, see what you think, you know, give me your best tips and tricks and the rest. But, um, that, that's the big other one, but I've, I've talked a lot about coffee on crafted. And so there are definitely going to be some more conversations on, on crafted about that front, but the decision has been made. The trigger has been pulled. And uh, it's we're going to be a brave new 2024. Yeah, I think it's like a year later and you've committed to one. So I'm really curious to hear more about it and see how it all goes. <laughs> well, well, tell you what, you come over with some eggs. Mm -hmm. I will hopefully have figured out how to actually use this machine. And uh, it's perfect. perfect. And, you know, I'll make you some espresso and uh, we'll we'll enjoy some some eggs together or something. Eggs and espresso. What's not to like? And pickled beets. It's perfect. And pickle beets. Okay. Okay, <laughs> Kara, um, it, it's been a good 2023. Um, thanks so much for everything that you do over here, the increasing number of things that you do here at Blister. And I'm uh, uh, very much looking forward to all the stuff we're going to get into in 2024. Yes, absolutely. Me too. Thanks, Jonathan. All right. We'll talk to you soon. All right. I now have Eric Friesen here. Um, Eric, I, I got to tell you, our crew, like every year I realize it's a more interesting group than I even was aware. Um, some, some of the things that I have learned <laughs> over this series of conversations, um, it's pretty remarkable. So I'm excited to be doing this with you and hearing what on the craft side you were into in 2023 and maybe what you're thinking about for 2024. Well, um, I don't know that I'm like the biggest of creators or crafters out there. Uh, that, that doesn't tend to be like a huge skill set of mine, but in 2023, probably the, the biggest crafting work that I did was I replaced my uh, concrete driveway, which I did most of it myself. And it was, it was a pretty big undertaking. Huh. So, Got to learn a lot about like Bobcat and small machine operation, demolition, concrete prepping and pouring. Uh, it turns out the folks that did my driveway previously to me, concrete was a much cheaper material to use. So they used uh, concrete rather than like uh, bed surface aggregate, like to raise and level the surface. So the uh, concrete that I was pulling up was anywhere between like four and, and almost 14 inches thick. So it was, it was a, it wow. was a big undertaking, but learned a lot about uh, some, some kind of cool stuff. And man, I don't, I don't know who can't have fun in a Bobcat, like digging up giant pieces of concrete. That's about as good as it gets. <laughs> was there the biggest learning curve about operating a Bobcat or was it all, did it all actually kind of click pretty quickly? You know, the, that actually was probably a little bit less anxiety inducing than kind of getting the, the concrete prep and pour component ready to go. Because, you know, with a, with a machine like a Bobcat, if you're feeling overwhelmed or under pressure or like not meeting like your own timelines, you can kind of like stop and walk away. Uh, but like when yeah. a concrete truck is backing up into your driveway, it's, it's sort of like time to go and it, it's happening. That was that was probably like the the most stressful part of the whole experience. But um, 
yeah, the like the Bobcat, you know, it's it's two joysticks and some foot pedals, uh, like riding motorcycles and snowmobiles and bikes. It's you know, like as long as you can mm-hmm. use a couple different limbs at the same time, it's it's pretty straightforward. Okay. Uh, well, so how did the project go? Uh, how would you rate the final product? I'm pretty happy with it, and it it definitely. As opposed to paying a contractor to do it all, it, it saved me, you know, quite a bit of money. It was still an expensive undertaking, but um, made a few improvements in in the way my driveway drained and got rid of this uh, giant bulge of death that would get all iced up in the winter and has definitely sent some people to the ground. Uh, and I no longer have uh, cracked and totally dilapidated looking driveway, so life is good. It's really fascinating to think about you know, a very straightforward, what we would call like a straightforward construction project where the line is between construction and craft. Right. And, and one of, one of my favorite crafted podcast episodes that we did was with our friend, Rob Dickinson, where we talked about the work and you've worked with Rob, Mm -hmm. you know, this, and we called the episode, it's probably one of my favorite titles of any episode, any podcast episode we've ever done, but we called it Blue Collar Fine mm-hmm. Art. And really, I mean, I don't, I don't quite know why, like when we hear the word craft, sometimes our brains automatically go to like real fancy, high-end, exclusive, and yet the craft of doing, in air quotes, construction stuff, it's like, well, turns out there's... That's like high stake art, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> Where you mess up a construction or a driveway. There's no that's that is an expensive mistake, right? Yeah, that's that's gonna be a hard one to fix. Uh, that it, it's pretty fun to think about. I, I think I could probably speak to it a little bit better in regards to painting than I could concrete work. I mean, thinking about how much more skillfully a professional could have done this and how much quicker, more efficiently, um, and you know, having a, mm-hmm. a better finished product that's that's where you start to get into the the crafted component of the the discussion but for me it was it was fun to add skill sets even if they're fairly basic at this point to my you know repertoire of life lessons and it was it was fun to to kind of build on some stuff and and get to make something Mm -hmm. okay well i guess the driveway is done so do you need a new craft project for 2024 sure I, you know, I was I was thinking a little bit about this, knowing that we were going to be talking about this. And, you know, one of the things that I've found over the years, um, I'm fairly frequently skiing with a GoPro on my head. And for all of the time that it's there, I've really not, you know, put out a lot of like content, so to speak. And that's because typically I really struggle with, um, you know, making something that meets my personal radness or perfection, you know, scale. And I just wind up, it winds up living on a hard drive because I, I know I could have done it better, differently, bigger, faster, or whatever. Um, and so one of the things that I've been thinking a lot about over the last year is that I would really like to refine my own personal craft of storytelling via the medium of videos. Um, and I'd like to figure out how to um, create videos that I feel a little bit more inspired to share, um, you know, more often than just sort of like dumping stuff on a hard drive, because I do get to do a lot of really, you know, interesting, cool stuff. And mom mom would really like to see it. 
Um, and so I think she like, let me, if I may speak on behalf of your mother, I'm pretty sure she wouldn't <laughs> want to see some of the stuff you get up to. I think she might find that rather terrifying, but, um, anyway, fair point, fair point. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. just, you know, refining my, my process, like how I approach doing it and, and generally trying to shift my perspective on like what I would choose to share. I'd really like to work on, you know, the physical crafting of, of short videos that kind of express like what I'm doing out there, but also, uh, you know, literally crafting a different perspective about like what I'm okay to share and like what I'm okay to put out there and just finding ways to, uh, take contentment from, you know, days with a camera on my head that may not like be the most extreme thing that I've ever done. So that's probably uh, when I think about like what I would like to build on, work on, develop in 24, it's, it's refining what that process looks like for me and improving on, you know, what I'm able and willing to share with others. Mm -hmm. And so have you, have you gone down this road yet? I mean, this might be kind of an unfair question because you just said, this is what I want to start thinking about and working toward. But I'm curious, like part of this, right? You could sort of say, this is a bit of like kind of work upon the self, right? And getting over some expectation that you are maybe putting on yourself of like, this has to be the sickest, most extreme thing or like why even bother? Mm -hmm. So there's almost that that internal psychology element of it. But are are you also are you reading things? Are you watching other sort of video creators? All of the above? Like so far, what have you been up to to try to get you where you're where you'd like sure. to be? This is honestly, this is something every couple of years I kind of like jump into a little bit. I'm not able to mm -hmm. uh rally sort of the patience and dedication to take it where I'd like to take it and then back away from again. Um, so they're, mm -hmm. they're locked and hidden, but there's actually, there's a whole bunch of stuff that's like out on YouTube that, you know, just exists from like other periods where I've tried to do some of this and just haven't really been satisfied with kind of my final results. So I have been, um, I've been trying to make a point to like, uh, watch basically like, um, ingest more information about sort of not only like the video editing component of what I'm doing, but also like watching different types of ski media. Like when I'm, you know, making dinner or uh, like, you know, just random stuff to try to uh, get my own perspective to shift a little bit away from, you know, when I think of like uh, ski edit, I, I think of like uh, matchstick movies from, you know, like yeah. the, the 2000s and that's just not being a, a pro skier or not being someone who exclusively skis or, or works towards like building that kind of stuff it's i'm never able to meet my expectations you know because I'm, I'm skiing two or three days a week and it, it in whatever conditions that i might find and you know in, in just a different sort of situation um so just mm -hmm. trying to to learn about how others out there who are like better able to share their experiences or doing that when, you know, it's, it's not solely focused on like what is the uh, most intense, extreme and sort of uh, unique thing that they've done that particular season. 
So yeah, just basically consuming information as I'm able and then also sort of intentionally making the time to sit down and, and work through this like on my own computer with my own stuff and not feel like not give myself two hours to like get this done when I'm really trying to learn uh-huh. what I'm doing in the first place. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, stay tuned. You've talked about this before, actually. Mm-hmm. We recorded a conversation where you were kind of talking a bit along some of these lines as well. So, you know, we're, I'm glad, I'm glad you're bringing this back and um, we want to see it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just, I, I really enjoy looking back at old photos, videos, you know, different media of like what either I or friends have done over the years. And I think the biggest part of why I'd like to do this is so that 20 years from now, you know, when, uh, perhaps like yeah. I'm golfing more than I'm skiing. Uh, y- you know, it's it's a fun way to remember and remember more vividly the the really fantastic times that were had instead of just kind of yeah. letting it fade into obscurity a little more than I'd like. That's I, th- I that's where I think a lot of my desire comes from. Plus, you know, we we do get to do some some pretty fantastic, interesting things from time to time. So uh, it's you know it's it's fun to share that with folks. Yeah. I love it. Well, hey, man, appreciate it. I think it's hilarious, kind of. I'm trying to be sensitive here, but I think it's a little bit hilarious when you're like, I don't know, some of the stuff, maybe it's not that amazing. And I'm like, dude, you actually go do <laughs> for the like normal people who, like you said, you, you, you know, you don't get to spend all your time just focused on these big missions and projects and being, you know, paid by brands to go do whatever. Um, I'd say that you're probably in the, I don't know, top 1%, 0.1% of year-round interesting, cool activities. Um, so anyway, just just a little observation. Well, thanks. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if I'm going to pay the inflation rates of living where I live, I better take advantage of it. So. Fair. fair. Well, listen, man, thanks for, thanks for talking. And um yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to a a good 2024 and and let's talk more about some of your uh projects, things you have in mind because I do it's time. Like I said, we've talked about this before on podcasts. Mm-hmm. So, it's time time to see some stuff. I you know, it'd, it'd be fun to share and maybe push a little bit out of it through Blister so, you know, some folks yeah. can see what I get up to. Be cool. Yes. Okay, we got a deal. We got a deal. All right, man. Hey, appreciate it. And we will talk to you again real soon. And maybe we're talking about skiing together in like two days from recording this. So I got to make that morning happen. So I I have not forgotten. Yeah. All right, dude. Thanks. I'll talk to you later. Take care. We are now here with blister reviewer extraordinaire, Sasha Anastas. Hi, Sasha. Hi, Jonathan. Um, I am dying to know what craft you are going to tell us about, either that you got into in 2023 or that you are going to be getting into in 2024. I, ha- I have no idea. What, what do you got? Well, this is something I probably should have gotten into like in 2004 or might be 1984, um, wow. but maybe 84 been too, too, too early since I was born in 83. Um, so, you know, I'm not the tallest person in the world, right? Mm. Like I'm, I'm, I'm this barely, is true. barely five one. 
ski boots maybe i'm like five one and a half you're not five one. <laughs> I'm so five one, and yet, yet we regret regress. Um, so, so here's my my plan for my craft. I'm going to try to master in 2024. This was to be clear, not mastered in 2023. Um, I need to learn how to hem my own pants. So I'm going. My craft is going to be, I guess, sewing, right? And it's really ridiculous. I don't know how to do this. Um, one, my mom is a seamstress, so I usually give her a whole pile of stuff every time she sees me. And I think she's getting a little irritated about it. She's just like, girl, come on. The other thing that's ridiculous about it is in my job, I do a lot of suturing of skin. I probably suture skin every third patient, right? And when I worked in the ER, same thing. So it's like, why can't I do this with my pants? Like, why can't I sew clothing? Um, the sewing machine is very intimidating to me. So, so, my craft that I'm going to try to ease into or settle into is going to be sewing. And I'm going to be very specific here just so I don't get a little, you know, too overwhelmed with this is um, hemming pant lines. That's it. Okay. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Very. It seems like a very attainable goal. <laughs> yeah. It does seem lower stakes than having to sew back together human skin. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think, I know that, I know that, you know, we talked about on our Blister podcast that you, these resolutions that you come up with kind of haunt you through the <laughs> entire year, but I think totally you got this me. one. I, I think I you know. got this one. Well, um, just to uh, clarify, skin is, is not as scary. And here's why. Skin grows back, right? You And skin mm. is very elastic. So if you mess up something, you can kind of just like, not that I mess up sewing skin at, that often, but. You can you can move with it, but if you mess up material, that's it. What are you gonna do, yeah. right? This is yeah, why it's so yeah. it seems consequential to me. <laughs> but you're like, I don't mind. I don't mind the the screams of human <laughs> patients being like, it hurts. You're like, but man, that pant hem. If I mess up that, um, yeah. But I mean, I, I, can't you just clear, take I do the stitching out? My patients. I do know my patients oh, all okay. the time. Yeah, yeah. Yes, okay. I suppose you. I suppose you could get one of those stitch rippers, seam rippers. Yeah. I, see, I don't even know what they are called. So you have a lot to learn here, and seam rip and restart. So, so yeah, okay, okay. Maybe it's not as consequential as I have in my mind. I'm very intimidated by this. I've always been very intimidated. I don't know why. All right. Well, okay. Well, I'm. I'm thinking maybe it. First of all, I agree. I think it is kind of tragic that many, many of us have like don't have that skill on how to make what should be relatively simple alterations to our clothes. And so I, I applaud you going down this road. Um, I might, maybe I'll even like donate some pairs of pants, not donate, but be like, <laughs> here, work on these. If you mess it up, I'll, I promise not to be too mad, but that will help you with your craft Yes, uh, but I I would I should learn this too. Maybe we're talking. I'm not going to learn Spanish with you. I don't I don't realistically see that. Maybe we work on Italian together, and but maybe we also learn how to yeah. Um, we're gonna, we're going to learn Italian Spanish. and learn to sew. I think our our yeah. review crew is going to be really impressed with us. <laughs> I don't, to be clear, I am not. I am not saying that I am going to achieve this in 2024. If it happens, happy accident. But um, fair. I I got some other stuff going on in 2024. But for you, I think it's a fantastic goal, and I wonder if we'll ever. 
I wonder if we'll ever, um, like with your husband, Simon, we talked about he's now into open baffle speaker systems. And I was like, wow, we have not on Crafted talked at all about the like fascinating world of sound systems and the rest. And that's a huge, deep rabbit hole. Do you know, know what I call down. that? <clears throat> I call it Pandora's box. Yeah. I also call wait, it a train in the bank account. <laughs> um, we, we already talked about you should you're probably going to want to listen to his his segment oh, of this podcast. He, he we, actually we wouldn't tell me. He wouldn't even tell me what it is. He knew I yeah. would just be this would be my reaction. Yeah. So um, anyways. But 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 anyway, like so I was like, damn, that that's that's good. We need to talk about that fascinating world uncrafted. I wonder if we'll make the move to talking about the world of tailoring. Yeah. Hemming. I mean, think what you could do. Think what how many more ski pants I could fit into if I knew how to hem my own ski pants. There's like three brands right now that I can pick from that offer a short length in their bibs. And I'm telling you, like, kudos to these brands. And we need to do a separate podcast at one point on this because for somebody my height, which is not completely unusual in the in the, you know, women's side of things. There's three yeah. brands that make a short length in, in ski clothes. It's insane. Huh. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, well, now, now that maybe, I tailor, it's going to be a non-problem for me, though. That's right. And then maybe this can be become a new side hustle for you, Sasha's mm -hmm. ski mm -hmm. pant tailoring. <laughs> and you only, you only, it's for people five foot tall or shorter Five one, then, five two. No, no, five five feet exactly <laughs> or shorter. Um, and then they just send you their pants and then everybody's happy out there. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how many more friends I have that are five. I think we have to expand it to five two at the least. I would get a whole a whole larger audience by adding those two extra inches. It's true. That's that's a good point. It's a good business strategy. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I think I think that's good. And I think we should it's good to, you, you've had a very, for very functional reasons, talked about getting into sewing, but I think just the whole art of tailoring, we might have to figure out how to work that yeah. into crafted because, because it is cool. It's true. Right? It's, it is. Um, so, okay. I like this. Another, another seed planted. Um, well, Sasha, I can't wait to hear how <laughs> your sewing uh, project goes in 2024. And, uh, yeah, thanks for coming on Crafted. Always a pleasure, Jonathan. All right, we'll talk to you soon. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, well, I am here with our Blister Summit director, Kristen Sinat. Uh, we talked about this on our Blister podcast, but poor Kristen lost her voice again in 2023. Um, the trials and tribulations of having a very cool, lovely young son, uh, but I think he's bringing home, you know, some of these uh, school diseases, you know, that Cody, Cody talks about this all the time, right? Like having a little kid runs off to school or daycare. Cody is sick all the time. You're kind of on that same program, I think. Um, so we were going to try to record this yesterday. You didn't have a voice yesterday. So thank you. Uh, thanks for, for, you know, toughing it out here and, and talking with us today. Um, so I don't want to keep you for too long. I, we have, we have like a word count on you, but Kristen, 
What have you been thinking about on the sort of craft art front? Anything that you were into in 2023 or things that you're looking forward to in 2024? Okay, this is going to be kind of a, an odd answer. So bear with me here. Recent hobby for 2023 or, or something I'm kind of becoming proficient at. I think that classifies maybe as crafted. The neti pot. I'd never tried it, but now I'm quite good at it. <laughs> um, but otherwise, <laughs> like it's so for just a general summary of my life and 2023 going into 2024. Um, I've always been a super crafty person. I love um, making things. I'm not an artist by any means, but you describe me more as something I can kind of do a little bit of everything. Um, my mom owned a craft store when I was young. So I'd always go there after school and make crafts and had tons of supplies at home and just always enjoyed making things. And I have a ton of stuff still. I used to do that before Linden, but it's just not my time to do it. It's like, I'm not going to be silk screening shirts right now. I'm not going to be making things like that. Um, so I've come to realize instead of feeling guilty for not, you know, getting more into my hobbies or anything like that, just spending more time trying to focus on well staying healthy, but also my family and everything like that. So, so not, not the best goal as far as crafted, but just trying to mentally come to that realization. And there'll be a time when I get back into it, but it's just not, it's not in the near future or recent past either. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah. And I think we, I feel like we talk a decent amount, certainly on the deep dive conversations that we do with Angel Collinson on our blister podcast, like there are seasons to life. Right. And I think we can maybe sometimes forget that and like, Oh, we should always have the new thing. And you know, my, my big lament or regret is it and, and blister is to blame on this front. I still wish that I was spending far more time each week just sitting down reading great novels and it's like well that's a good goal and i do feel that you know i feel that um that bit of a regret but it's like well we're focused on some other things right now and we're building other things and i think that this is maybe a good way for us to end this particular conversation is that one we can't do everything at once and two there just might be seasons of life where it's like, yeah, you're trying to raise Linden and you're doing a great job with that and run a blister summit and everything else in the world. And so it's sort of maybe a good message is it's okay to not be <laughs> like learning all the languages yeah. right now or learning all the skills and diving into all the fascinating, many fascinating things there are in the world. Um, so, yeah, sometimes maybe you kind of got to give ourselves a break and just know this isn't right now yeah. isn't the season. Yeah. It's, it, and another way to think about it, too, it's not the season for me to choose what I am learning. Like, I know a lot about dinosaurs right now. I didn't choose that, but you do. <laughs> my son is so into it. Yeah. Like, I do a lot of learning about dinosaurs. So, yeah, so it's been... Mm -hmm. I felt guilty because I have supplies and things I want to do more of, but it's just, it's nice to release that a little bit and let it go for, for the time being. Mm -hmm. And turns out it's actually pretty great. Like 
I guarantee you know more about dinosaurs than I do because of Lyndon. And so you got you got that going yeah, for you. I still don't know as much as, as Lyndon does, and he'll remind me constantly my mispronunciations and everything else. So he's five, so he's very smart. And <laughs> yes. Um He is very smart. Maybe I'll say for twenty twenty four, we'll we'll just we'll do our best. We'll remember that there are seasons for everything. And we're just going to try as hard as we can to keep up with the five-year-olds. <laughs> yep. That's my goal. Get healthy, okay. keep up with them. Well, Kristen, um, thanks for coming on. I know, I know you were like, ah, I, my voice isn't there. You did great. Um, and thanks for everything that you do uh, for us around here. And uh, I'm very much looking forward for me and you personally, just having a good, effective, fun challenging uh you know 2024 in front of us and uh i i i'm sure there will be challenges i'm sure we will have some fun and uh i appreciate kind of having you in the uh in the foxhole with me which is how it feels a lot of the time so thank you for being there yes well thanks for having me there Well, that's it for this edition of Crafted. I want to say thanks to our entire team. You all are wonderful to work with. I want to say thanks to all of you listening who have supported this whole Crafted endeavor. And I want to say thanks to the strikingly handsome Justin Bob for producing this episode as he has done with all of our Crafted episodes. J-Bob, you are the best. We thank you. So everybody, I hope you have a great end of the year and a wonderful start to the new year. And we look forward to connecting with you right here on Crafted very soon. Bye, everybody.